before you sit down, I just want you to just kind of stay right where you are and notice if you can, if you, if you just feel or think anything right now, right? Uh, scientists have studied uh, this thing we're all doing together, and there's a bunch of stuff that they've discovered when groups of people sing together. One of the things they figured out is that it sends out endorphins. I don't know. Can you feel any, feel any endorphins? feel any juices moving through you that are new and, and, and exciting. Uh, and, and also they say that it, it bonds people together, right? There's something about singing, not just in your car or the shower by yourself, but being in a room and singing with other people. You feel any of those like connective chemicals uh, moving through you? Maybe your shoulders are a little less tense, uh, or maybe you're a person who endures this part of church. And your shoulders are a little more tense. And you're like, please just let us sit down and do the passive part of this. Um, just, just feel that, right? Like, what do you feel? What is the science uh, of singing together? We're going to get into the theology of it. But I want us to just notice that the invitation from God is to bring our whole selves here. And the most fascinating thing is that the more people study this thing, the more they figure out that that invitation from God is good for us. And so we got to do something that's, that's good for us. And so thank you for, for trying that with us this morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, we are in this thought experiment where we think about the implication of Jesus in this world. And we are talking today uh, about Christmas carols. And I'm just curious, anybody... Uh, we'll just do a little bit of polling. Thank you, Levi. Uh, anybody do like Christmas music all year round? Anybody is that kind of person? Um, you're, I, you're shaming. You're, I can see the shame in your face if you're that kind. Anybody do like post-Halloween? Anybody do? That's Once the pumpkins are smashed, bust out the music, right? Anybody post-Thanksgiving? Post is that, is that kind of your, your rule? Anybody? Never. Anybody? Just I. <laughs> The sound of jingle bells is triggering to me, and I hate them. Can't wait for the new year, right? Okay, that's good to know. Most of you post-Thanksgiving. Uh, there was, I don't know if you saw this uh, on the internet, uh, but there was a story that came out a few weeks ago about a bar in Texas that tried to put some parameters around the celebration of Christmas. And so they had like one of those touch tunes, like kind of the, the jukebox you can run from your phone. They had a touch tune, they had a sign up that said, no Mariah Carey. Uh, pre-December uh, 1st. And you guys know which what they're referring to, right? I'm going to play DJ here today. Nope, that's not it. That's not the one. That's not the Mariah Carey song. This one. You know this one? Have you ever heard this? A million times? It just broke a record. It went like diamond. It's the only Christmas song to go diamond, whatever going diamond means. You want to just bask in it, in its power? Uh, it's a powerful song, right? Mariah Carey wrote maybe the newest, the only new good Christmas song. And uh, it's, like I said, it's gone diamond and it has a power to it, right? That's what this Texas bar didn't understand is it has a power. You can't limit it, right? But their sign said you can't play it before December 1st. And after that, only one time a night. Uh, and they tried to limit uh, the power of Mariah Carey, which is just, I, I would argue, uh, can't be done. But in addition to that, you also can't put limits uh, on music. Music is a, it's a powerful entity. Uh, music, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I have believed for a long time that you don't need a flux capacitor or a DeLorean to time travel. All you need is a playlist, 
right? Music allows you to break the barriers of time and space that right now, if you heard a right song, it would take you somewhere, right? Anybody, just for a minute, just think of a song that if you heard it, you would be transported to another time and another place. For me, there are, I mean, it's a long list of possibilities, but I picked a couple of golden ones. Uh, This is one that if somebody had the gall to play this song in church, it would take me places. Uh, You guys probably don't know that song. Um, Hashtag justice for Janet. Um, (laughs) I didn't plan on saying that. There might might be a meeting about it. Um, But I, like I hear that song and I am immediately a little kid at Sequoia Pool in Columbus, Ohio, just ingesting giant amounts of sugar. And I think I probably had a Smurf, Smurf bathing suit on and I'm just going around telling people, Please call me Miss Jackson. Like, you know, like just demanding that kind of respect. This is another one of my, like, go-to. I time travel when I hear this. Maybe you do. Hey, buddy. Your heart, you feel it, right? It's like in your heart. Uh, And I hear that song, uh, the sweet shot of mine. I don't know if if you're watching online, uh, Meta might shut us down for for playing song clips. So just be aware of that. But uh, that's the opening riff to Sweet Child of Mine, right? And I hear it. And immediately, like, I know I'm in Dayton, Ohio in the year 2021, but I immediately feel like I'm a kid. I'm in high school, I'm at the Ohio State Fair, and I'm just, all I can think about is love won and lost, right, as I, as I go around the fair. This is how music works. It connects us to things. It connects us to time and space. It connects us to ourselves, our feelings, our emotions, and other people. Uh, music is powerful. Music buries things in our brains and in our bodies. Uh, you may know things about the government because somebody figured that out. You guys know how bills become laws, right? You at least know the song, right? Many of us were taught uh, by music. If I asked you right now to tell me what is the 17th letter of the alphabet, what would you do? You would sing it, and you'd probably use your fingers if you're me, A, B, C, and you would get to Q, right? Spoiler, that Q is the answer. You don't have to do it. You can check me later. If you don't trust me, this is a trust exercise. Now, uh, we know that this is true in, maybe we think of this as sort of superficial and fun and just like the chocolate icing on life, and it, it, it feels sort of superficial and just silly to us, and we're glad that it exists, but maybe we don't think of it as being very deep. Uh, I want you to know that they've been doing all these studies on Alzheimer's patients and how hearing the music that is their favorite music, it keeps their memories alive, and it works in their brains. Something, uh, if you saw uh, the special on Tony Bennett uh, with Anderson Cooper a couple weeks ago, he was just kind of not quite himself, and his eyes were vacant, and then somebody played a piano. And all of a sudden, he remembered who he was and what he was made to do in the world. Uh, And I saw this with my own mom, uh, who struggled with Alzheimer's the last few years of her life. We'd be going about in the day, and maybe she'd have a moment where she felt uh, chaotic or confused, and what I would do is just hit play on the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. Uh, And it would remind her, it was their wedding song, it was one of her favorite songs, and you would see it on her face that she would find peace. And of course, for my family, when we wanted to remember who we really were, uh, this is what we would play. And anytime, uh, 
Anytime we would get in the car with my mom and my dad, I would play Elvis. And you would watch my mom, maybe she'd had a hard day and she was kind of losing her place in time and space. And what I loved about it is that when you would play good music, it's not just that she would remember who she used to be, right? It's not that she would just remember that she had gone to see Elvis live and that she had like cried and wept and, and had a big dramatic moment at the Elvis show, but it was like she would remember who she was when she heard the music, right? It worked deep down inside of her, and it would connect her to herself. Uh, People who work with children in church uh, know this, and I know it uh, because I grew up in church, and I grew up learning the Bible to songs like this. Anybody? You guys don't know this as well as Janet Jackson? That's a real shame. If I kept playing it, it would get to a part where it talks about the Lord told Noah he better build an arky-arky because there's going to be a floody-floody and he's got to get the animals out of the muddy-muddy. And (laughs) for the whole rest of my life, like I'll be in the home and I won't know anything else, but they'll say, do you know the story of Noah? And I'll sing arky-arky and I'll know it. (laughs) Right? This is how it works. But there are also deeper ways that this works in me, right? This is one of my, like a song that I grew up in church singing and loving. Maybe you share it. Right? We don't just sing the songs to learn the stories. We, we sing it out of affirmation and sometimes aspiration. My whole life I've sung that it is well song, just wanted someday to be true. Right? Just hoping that if I keep, keep singing it, it'll burn the grooves and the, and the record of my heart and it'll, it'll get more true every time I sing it. And, and that's how a way that music is powerful. It doesn't just connect us to who we are. It connects us to who we wish we were. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Adele... I did an interview with Oprah, and you guys, I don't know if you know, just just to let you know who we're talking about here. Hello. (laughs) It's me. Right? Hello. It's her. And her voice is just like, she's just a powerhouse, right? Like, she comes on, and if you, you would think if you heard Adele sing, she's got all this confidence and assurance, and that she's a woman who knows her place in the world and, and is ready to own that place in the world. But she told Oprah, she said, I, I don't have as a person what I have as a singer right? And how many of us, I don't know, if maybe that's a part of the tension you feel when we sing songs in church, you go, I, is that true? <laughs> if I think about it, is that who I am or is that who I want to be? And, and what we hope every week when we do it is that as we sing it, it becomes who we are together. You should know that this, this power that music has, it's been at work in the world for a very long time. The one way of reading the Bible is to read it like a musical script, And I don't know if that excites you or terrifies you, but it's true. Uh, That all over scripture, people find themselves in a situation that words cannot satisfy. They need a beat. And so they break into song. And so there are these people who you don't think of as musicians, but people like Moses and Deborah who led these giant military efforts. And then when they had victory, celebrated by setting it to a song. So that it would bury in people's brains, we know victory and they would sing about it. If you go through, of course, maybe you know uh, that the, the Psalms right there in the middle of the scriptures are this collection of songs and prayers. And, and maybe you know that it reads like a Spotify playlist sometimes. That you could look it up. You could say, what do I read when I'm feeling sad? 
What do I read when I'm feeling uh, angry or lonely? What do I read? You could literally make a playlist or what do, I, what do I read when I'm just, I would really like to take out a few of my enemies. There's a playlist for that in the Psalms, right? Everything of the human experience uh, is covered in this gift of a playlist we have uh, in scripture. And then to get to our piece of the story today, as you, if you fast forward in the Bible, you get into the story of Jesus. And I don't know if you picture this, but Jesus sang it gives us just these little notes along the way that Jesus and his disciples would occasionally take a music break, like a dance break. I, I like to think that there was some dancing. Uh, but it just tells us simply in Matthew 26, 30, when they, when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the, to the Mount of Olives. Right? So in this moment, this is, uh, spoiler alert to the Christmas story basically, but this is that moment, the last supper of Jesus with his friends, and he's about to go face the cross, and it says he takes time out for a music break. If you keep going, it tells us over and over again that the disciples would do this. They'd be in the middle of all this activity, of all this purpose, all these, all these things they were doing, and every once in a while they just had to, had to sing about it. One of the first Christmas carols, I would argue, is in Philippians 2. And you may know this, Passions, but I don't know if you know that it used to be, it was probably set to music, and that it's very likely the very first Christmas carol. You could... You can maybe insert some jingle bells in here as you read Philippians 2, uh, verses 5 through 11. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God also exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mariah Carey hasn't covered it yet, but it is a Christmas song. And what I want us to hear in that, right, is that it was about the nature of Jesus. And if you were to, to spend some time studying the history of Christmas carols, one of the things that I think is just so brilliant and so beautiful is that every time there was a controversy in the church over the nature of Jesus, people would write songs about it so that they could remember. So every once in a while, it would pop up, especially in those early years, there were people who had different ideas about this God who was a baby who grew up, we don't understand. What is this story? And so every once in a while, these controversies would pop up, like Gnosticism, where they would say, Jesus can't be both human and divine. So he must have just been mostly divine, like kind of a, a spirit ghost walking around. And yes, we saw him eat bread and stuff, but he was just faking. He was hiding it in the napkin. He wasn't a real human, right? And they tried to make him less, uh, less human, and then around 129, around, right around that first century, there was a controversy that came up that was the Arian controversy, where a guy said, oh, well, he was maybe, he was more human than divine. He was like this brand new idea of God's. He wasn't present at creation. He's not a co-creator with God and with the spirit uh, who was hovering over the waters. They, they kept trying to make Jesus less than human or less than divine. And every time those kind of controversies would spring up, people would write a Christmas song. 
So the earliest Christmas songs come right around these controversies. There's a whole bunch of them written around the 16th century when the church is again trying to resort itself and trying to decide what's holy and what's human and could those things be the same. And so during the Reformation, they take all these bar songs and change the words to them. And you have all these Christmas songs that spring up out of the Friday night at the saloon or the pub or whatever you called it in 16th century Germany. And I love about, what I love about that is that every time there was a danger of people forgetting the nature of Jesus, of losing the power of the scandal and the wildness of a God who is both divine, who has been there at creation, but who was also an embryo, a child, a human who sat around the table and ate bread and drank with them. Every time they lost sight of the fullness of who Christ was, they wrote a song about it so that they could bury it in their body and in their brain and remember it. So that they could remember these Christmas truths uh, that pop up in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says these things that have just, that kind of just been stuck in my head the last couple years. One of the things he says in Ephesians 2 too, he says that we are the dwelling place of God. And he says it in the context of trying to get the Jewish people to embrace the Gentile people. And he says, you are the dwelling place of God. And by the way, they are too. He also says in Ephesians 2, he says that, that God is just, this, there's one God and that that God is above all and in all. And if we forget that God is above but God is in, we might need a song about it. There is nothing in the human experience that is separate from the grace and presence of God. And I don't know any other Christmas message deeper than that. The story of Jesus, the songs of Jesus, the things we do here on Sunday together are to remind us of this. And I can't think of any other time in my life where I have craved the story of Jesus more than right now. So we want to give you ways to just encounter the story of Jesus, right? If there are ways that we are forgetting who Jesus was and how he walked, right now is a very good time for us to remember. So there are a few things we've done. You, you've heard us talk about the Plus Nothing books. Uh, hopefully you've already picked yours up. We've been getting, uh, it's fun because we've been getting like notes from people who just watch us online and finding out that we have people tuned in from New Jersey and the coast and all these places who are saying, could you send it to us? So we're sending them out if you want them. Uh, this is a way for you to pay attention to the story of Jesus. It's the four gospels condensed. Uh, Charlie did a video series online. So if you're brand new, especially to the story of Jesus, you might watch those and, and let it prepare you to read. They're still available at the Info Center. Uh, a fun thing that I do with my friend Keaton, and we're going to be recording this afternoon, we do this podcast called The Breakfast Translation. And for our second season, we're just going to look at the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to read it together. And, and the thing we do is we just get real curious about the humans that are in the story, and we start with what do they eat for breakfast. Uh, and that's our way of reading through. And all that stuff is on southbrook.org. Uh, and if, you don't, if you're not regularly spending time in the story of Jesus, let this season get you there. I'll give you another thing that, that has been useful to me. There's this practice that if you're brand new to prayer or you, <laughs> it's been so long, you're brand new to prayer again, uh, there's this practice called first thought, last thought, right? And it's, it's pretty deep. It means first thought and last thought. And it means that you pay attention to that moment when your eyes first open in the morning, right? What's your first thought? Right, the one that maybe you have time for just a split second of a thought before you grab the phone and have a million thoughts. Right, pay attention. What is your first thought? 
And then the practice of paying attention to what is your last thought? Is, it any, is there anything to be thankful for at the end of a day, right? And so this is a thing I've done for several years in a row on Christmas. I've talked about it here, is that I use uh, the phrase, God is with us. And I try real hard to make that my first and my last thought through the Christmas season. Uh, and then what I do is just, I just kind of pay attention to each word. God is with us. Right? That something about the Jesus story is letting me know that the God who made the world, who sustains the world, and who fills the world, that God is with us. Is with us. Not was with us, not will be with us. Is with us. And then I told you, my, one of my favorite words over the last few years has been the word with. God is not far away from us. God wants to be with us. God is available to us, and God is with us. God is uniquely present when, it, when we are together, when we are with other people, God is with us. And maybe you just need a better first thought and a better last thought than the ones you have right now, right? I'll offer you that. God is with us. Uh, I, I read a poet the other day who said that Jesus is our open door to forever. And maybe that's your first thought and your last thought is Jesus is our open door to forever. And maybe, whatever your relationship is with Christmas music, if you hate the Jingle Bells, if you love the Mariah Carey, if you love it all, maybe this year, maybe more than ever, you let the Christmas music that you hear when you're walking through the store or when you're driving in your car or when you're watching a movie, you let that music remind you that the story of Jesus is that God is with us and that nothing in the human experience is absent from the grace and the presence of God. I, uh, I think this is important this year to talk about music specifically because as we talked about, right, music connects. It connects us to our own story, our own self. It connects us to each other. It connects us to the great big story of who God is and what we are and who Jesus is in the world. Music connects. Trauma disconnects. And I've been learning a lot about trauma and the power of it. And it's, it's just this word you've probably been hearing people talk about. It. It's the word for the, the, the wounds that we have, the things that we carry that are hard, the things that happen to us that are hard. And we are in a season that's been hard. It's been a hard couple years, however it's shaken out for you. And there's a chance uh, that you have, it's, it's caused disconnection in your life. There's a chance that the hard things you've been through has caused you to disconnect sometimes from yourself, sometimes from other people, or from the larger world, or maybe even from God. Trauma disconnects, and music connects. Now, I have to say, to be honest, most Christmases, if Charlie had said, hey, you're going to talk about music, I would be like, so excited, and I'd just play the playlist, and I'd have fun the whole time. Um, but I have to tell you that for me, music, uh, over the last year, it's been just white noise to me. Um, for most of my life, it's been the most important thing to me, maybe. Like, I would wake up in the morning, and I would have a playlist ready to go for the day ahead. I would make playlists for the month or for the seasons. Uh, I, would, I would have a carefully curated soundtrack for every drive that I took. And for me, a lot of times, music was like this way. I'm an overthinker, overfeeler, so I would use music uh, to just ride in the car with me. And I would let music kind of help me sit with all those feelings and emotions. And I would look at them in the passenger seat and try to decide if they got to drive that day, right? I would let the music like help me process all that. And 
If you don't know my story, I've shared it other places, but both my parents uh, died last summer, very close together, not to COVID, but to other awful things. And uh, as soon as that happened, uh, music just became noise. I couldn't, like I could hear it, but it didn't, didn't mean anything to me. You might as well have been using one of those white noise machines. And I, I'm trying to figure out why that happens and, and working with a therapist and reading all the articles and listening to all the things and trying to sort it out. And one of the things I've figured out, right, is that I can't just walk around as an open wound. And so some switch went off in me that I just can't feel music, right? Because I can't afford to be going through Target and have all shook up come on, right? I can't afford that because I'll immediately time travel to being in the car with my mom and my dad and I can't do that in the middle of Target. And I don't know what your story is, but there's a chance that you've had some trauma that has tempted you to disconnect. And so more than anything, music this season might be a way to reconnect us. In those seasons uh, when music was super important to me, uh, I have a memory uh, that I've been holding on to. Um, It was one of my most favorite Christmas music uh, moments and it happened in the middle of July. And this is a long time ago, so I had the ancient artifact of an iPod. And I was, I was driving to Tennessee, and I was going through the mountains, and it was hot, like July day, I had the sunroof open, the windows open, and I'm just letting the music like lead me, right? And I'm hanging out, and, and all of a sudden, uh, my iPod uh, played this. And all of a sudden, God is with us. And all of a sudden, I realized that what is true at Christmas is true driving through the mountains in the middle of July, right? That all that longing that it sings about in the song, that longing of God to be with us and of us to be with God, all that longing that is true all year long, uh, it was true and it is just as real that God is present in that longing, that God is with us in the joy and in the pain, that God loves us so much that God wanted to be good company with us. And what I figured out is that the truth of Christmas is that all of life is, is and can be holy, right? That there were no lines drawn, that God is as close and available to you in a bar at a karaoke on Friday night as God is here on Sunday morning. And if anything is a reminder and a thread to us of that, it is the gift of music and the wild truth of Christmas is that God was putting humans in our place. And I don't know how that sounds to your ear. Maybe you've been put in your place before, but I want us to hear this, that the Christmas story is that God was putting us in our place and our place is as close to God as we could possibly get. And that Jesus is our open door to forever and there is nothing about our life that God will not enter into. And the scandal of Christmas, the wild story, is that that's how close God wants to be to us. And if we're tempted to forget it, 
I want us to just remember it for a while here this morning. Would you stand with us and sing the Christmas song of all Christmas songs? There it is. You, you, feel, you feel the endorphins, right? Maybe, Or maybe you feel the spirit of God. I think God knew that uh, we would be forgetful. And so in addition to music reminding us, we also have communion. And if you remember, the thing Jesus says is when you do this, remember. Right? Remember who I was and what I said and that I was and am with you. So stay here for a while. If you need, communion is set. You are invited and welcome at the table of God. So spend some time there today and remember that the table goes with you uh, wherever you go. Right? Thanks for being with us. We'll see you uh, next Christmas weekend uh, for St. Nicholas Talk.